I am an uncommon church builder. I am leading second. Hey everyone, I'm Brandon Stewart, and welcome back to the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders that our pastors would absolutely kill to have on the team. I'm sure by now, by the way, some of you could probably quote that with me at the beginning of every episode. So, hey, welcome back uh, to um, one of our final episodes of season one. In fact, today is our final interview for season one. We kicked this off a few months ago uh, every Thursday, and then I pray that this has helped you. I pray that this has encouraged you. I pray that you've enjoyed this as much as we have had doing it. Uh, We've done our best over the past uh, few weeks and few months uh, to bring to you conversations with some really great church builders, really great leaders who have an uncommon spirit themselves. And so I just pray that this has helped add something into your life and add something into your team as a church builder in whatever context God has placed you and God has planted you. In fact, if you haven't yet, I'd encourage you to subscribe to the podcast and uh, consider sharing it with someone else on your team. Uh, We are preparing to take a break in a couple of weeks here for the holidays, but we'll be back at the end of January with season two. And I can't wait to bring more conversations to you from uncommon leaders and just to help us all be better in uh, the field and be faithful in the field that God has given us to be faithful over uh, in our ministries. So welcome back. And I am so excited for today's episode. Uh, today, I'm excited to welcome onto the podcast, Pastor Dino Rizzo, who is the executive director of ARC, the Association of Related Churches, one of our nation's premier church planting organizations, really around the world, planting churches. And I uh, can't wait for you to hear from him in just a few minutes. So we'll We'll get there soon. Uh, Before we do that, though, every episode, we take a question from a listener of the podcast who's also a part of the Leading Second Forum on Facebook or connected with us on social media. And so uh, we have a great question for you this week from a listener. Let's check this out. Hi, Brandon. This is Tracy King. And along with my husband, Lonnie, we lead Kingdom Christian Center. As you know, I absolutely love the Leading Second experiment. Um, My question is actually two-pronged. Saying that you've been at your church champion center for pretty much your entire life. You've been on staff. You've sat in meetings with your pastors where they've had big, tough, directional conversations And you've had the opportunity to witness the tension, if you will, of honest and necessary dialogue between the pastors who are husband and wife. How have you been able to process the tension that you witnessed and maintain respect um, for them? And then the second part of my question would be, what advice would you have for others who lead second that might help them to navigate similar backroom conversations well? Thank you, Brandon, for taking my questions, and I look forward to hearing your responses. 
Well, Pastor Tracy, thanks so much for your question today. Uh, I love you and Pastor Lonnie and your church. It's so special to us what God is doing there. So thanks for your question. Thanks for also, by the way, being probably leading seconds number one fan. So I give one of our final questions of the season to you today. Um, such a great question about navigating direct conversations with your pastors and navigating backroom conversations. This is the real talk of ministry. Um, I have a couple thoughts for you. My first thought about direct conversations with your pastors, I would say this to you it, from my own context, is that my pastors are my spiritual parents. I consider myself a son of the house and a spiritual son of theirs, but that therefore means that they are going to be like a dad and a mom to me. And how many of you know that sometimes dad and mom have direct conversations? You know, they do their best to have them privately, but sometimes dad and mom are direct. They're direct with each other. Sometimes they're direct with you. That's actually part of the function of a healthy house is that people have the ability to be direct. If you're in direct conversations with your pastors or tense moments, I think I'd want to help you remember a couple things today. Uh, the first thing I would say is, is let's remember that our pastors are human and therefore they will experience human emotions. You know, we have a savior. His name is Jesus and he is perfect and he's the only one that needs to be perfect. Our pastors don't need to be perfect for them to still be ethical leaders. And so they're going to experience human emotions and they're going to have human reactions and that doesn't disqualify them because they experience those moments. That would be to demand their perfection, which I kind of add up. They don't expect me to be perfect. So I should not therefore expect that of them uh, in their ability to lead. So just realize they're going to be human. They're going to have those moments. Give them the grace that you would expect from them if you had a moment like that. I also think to myself that in meetings with my pastors, I'm in a place and have been entrusted with a role at their side. I am there to help translate and interpret for them, meaning my number one job walking out of the meeting is to go and effectively and integrously communicate what that meeting was about to other people. In other words, if a meeting gets tense or there's a human moment in a meeting, I don't run out to a staff member and say, oh my gosh, you'll never believe what I just heard. Or, you know, you'll never believe this or that. Like th That's just not an accurate uh, translation or interpretation of what happened. I go out and I communicate well on their behalf and I guard them in those moments. I, I, um, I watch out for them and I have their back. And I figured that that's the reason God put me close to them was to protect them. I want to remind you too that there's a difference between conversations being confidential and conversations being unethical. That you can have conversations that are confidential and still be totally ethical in the process. But I think that comes with an accountability to you know being willing to be accountable for everything that's said behind closed doors and in public. And so I just want to encourage you to know when a moment should be kept confidential and be willing to do that. And be a person, be a, a safe place that your pastors can talk to you and trust, and you'll find that um, you'll be invited into moments where you can really make a difference in your church and in the lives of people if you can navigate those, um, those moments well. 
Um, I think the last thing I would say to you um, regarding this topic is simply this. If I let my pastors be who they are, I'm going to get the best of who they are. If they have to constantly guard themselves around me and they have to constantly tiptoe around me, I'm not going to get the best of who they are. But if I let them be uniquely who God has called them to be, including imperfections, if I just let them be that, I'm going to get the very best of who they are, and um, I'm going to get to experience all of the good that comes along with that as well. And so I just give my pastors permission to be comfortable around me, and I've made a commitment with them. I will never violate trust. That If they confide in me and they bring me into moments that are more confidential, um, I do not break uh, their trust, but I, um, I navigate those situations with maturity and um, hopefully represent them well uh, outside of those moments. So a couple starter thoughts for you on a big topic. I hope that helps for you uh, today, and I, I pray that it even helps add into the, the um, dynamic of your team, Pastor Tracy. If you have a question you'd like to hear us feature on the podcast, I'd encourage you to head to the Leading Second Forum on Facebook and submit, submit your question there. Uh, we would love to feature uh, your question on an upcoming episode. Well, uh, for today, I am so excited and honored uh, to welcome to the Leading Second Podcast, Pastor Dino Rizzo, who is the Executive Director of ARC. Say what's up to everybody, uh, Pastor Dino. Hey, what's going on? Thanks a lot, Brandon, for, for letting me be a part. Absolutely. Hey, I just have to say before we get started today, um, not only are we uh, just a huge fan of ARC, uh, but I just want to honor you. Thank you so much for what you do for local churches and for the kingdom. Um, I just highly respect you and highly respect um, the work that you do and the work that you lead and um, counted a pretty big honor to to talk today. So just thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, you're kind. We feel the same way about you and Lindsay and, and of course, all the team there and uh, your pastor, Kevin and Sheila being dear friends and you know, thank God for good relationships and good friends and getting to do this with great people. So it's, 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 I appreciate that. Absolutely. And we love, um, we love ARC. I will say from the, from the beginning that, uh, you know, at Champion Center and at Team Church, we just consider ARC to be, you know, one of the greatest things happening with church planting and one of the greatest investments a pastor can make, you know, with their, with their, with their support uh, toward church planting. And so, um, yeah, we, we're so thankful to be connected to you all. Um, before we get going, tell us a little bit about uh, you and your family and uh, your role with with ARC. Yeah, well, our family's in a good in a good season. Our kids are getting older. Just had a daughter get married, so we've added yeah. one to the family. Young man by the name of Trey. He's a he's a he's an Alabama fan, which is giving us Louisiana people a, a, a headache. <laughs> but we'll keep them around, and then. I have, a, I have a son who serves up at uh, Hillsong for Pastor Carl uh, at the church up there in Hillsong, New York, and then uh, have a daughter who is a senior, so she'll be graduating, and, and my wife and I will be married 30 years in about three weeks. Come on, somebody. So, uh, it's, a, it's a big month for us, my wife, Delenn, and uh, she's, she's the best thing going for me, and uh, having a blast, uh, helping guys plant churches or figure out things or 
And, and then I, I love what I get. I get to also serve at, at uh, Church of the Highlands. So I get to serve with Pastor Chris Hodges and get to oversee outreach and be on that team. And still get to be in the engine room of the church great. Uh, as we plant campuses and hire people. And, you know, I really enjoy doing that. And then I still kind of enjoy the whole serve day, serve evolution stuff, helping churches engage the poor. Is, is still a heartbeat of, of Delenn and I. So doing well. We're in a good season. I love it. I love it. And um, one thing I love to ask people when we talk on these conversations, uh, I love to ask this question, so I'm curious as to what you would say. Um, what is something interesting about you uh, that most people wouldn't know about you? Like take us behind the <laughs> veil for a minute of, of Dino Rizzo. Oh, goodness. Well, uh, um, let me see. I, I played a little college basketball. People don't know that. Okay. Uh, it, I literally played at a small Bible college and ended up uh, playing uh, most of the games in, in prisons. And so we had opportunities to do, do, do uh, ministry in, in prisons. And so we would, we would play basketball against these teams. And, man, let me tell you something. There's some good ball players incarcerated. We get <laughs> beat like crazy. You know, a little Bible college team playing all these D1 guys. And then I grew up surfing. A lot of people don't know that. I grew up surfing on the East Coast. And, um, That's awesome. You know, in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, so I was a surfer and a basketball player. So, anyway, and I don't do neither of those now well at all. <laughs> I love that. I did not know the surfing piece. That that is that yeah. is new news to me. I love it. I love it. Okay, so you spent um a number of years as a lead pastor of Healing yes. Place Church and now you're essentially on a team, you know, at yeah. at Church of the Highlands and yet you're also still at the head of the table with Ark. So, you navigate uh, going between the head of the table, like you mentioned, and the side of the table. What's that transition been like for you over the last few years? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a transition. I, you know, I, we led that church 20 years, planted it and led it. And then uh, now are, 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 I'm on a team with a, a lot of great team members and led by Chris Hodges. And then I get to run over here, arc, and sit at the head of the table with another group. So it is a dynamic. And I think a couple of things, but I think one thing is you got to get over yourself and realize, mm -hmm. and it sounds really, you know, super spiritual. It is just not about you. I mean, we're, that, you know, the old statement, the goal is more important than the role. You know, I'd rather just be yeah. on the team and, and what can I do to help get the ball down the field? And so I think, you know, I had to get over myself and realize that it's not about me. It's all about Jesus. It's about loving people. Uh, it's about, uh, being a part, you know, so that was something important that I had to realize. And then, you know, thank God for, for people who, uh, are gracious. You know, Chris Hodges is very gracious. When I came from leading a church to be on a team, he was gracious with me as I was navigating that. And, you know, sometimes, you know, as you speak out of turn, you, you <laughs> yeah. know, you, you're, you're, you know, you're looking at your phone when you should be paying attention because when you lead a meeting, you look at your phone when you want. And um, <laughs> when you're sitting at a table, you don't get to look at your phone if the leader's speaking. So I had to learn just some of the dynamics of it, wow. the practical dynamics. And I wanted to be what I wanted other people to be. And so I kind of had to end up practicing what I had preached. Um, and so, again, I think it goes back to personal responsibility when you get those opportunities. Totally, totally. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I know that um, that's real talk. 
talking about looking at your phone in a meeting, like that's real talk when it comes to <laughs> being on a team. So, um, tell us a little bit about why you started, uh, Servolution, you know, why you wrote that number of years ago and you now have a new book out and, and I know you lead churches, um, all over the nation in, in days to serve their city. Uh, tell us a bit about that and where that came from, from you. Well, you know, I was reached through outreach. So I came to Christ because the church did an outreach. Uh, I would have never been a church. So the church came to me. I was working at a beach community and, and they did an outreach on the beach. And it, it really, it, it got me interested. It was inviting. And so I think, you know, that's probably at the core of, of you know, why you do what you do. A lot of time it's your own story. Uh, so I got involved with a little church and, and did outreach and came to Bible college and cared about bus ministry and street preaching. And, and then we started our church in 1993. It just was naturally, hey, let's be an outreach driven church. Let's, let's, let's care about people. Let's go outside the walls of the church. And so it's always been my heartbeat. I think that uh, I think there's no greater way to grow the church than to engage with your community. That's right. And to kind of figure out what is going on in your city. And where are you needed? And what is your niche to contribute to take the gospel and, and to reach broken, lost humanity? And so, you know, we, we we tried to do that a healing place out of that. You know, we wrote that book, Servolution, and and it became just a, you know, kind of a, a word that described what the what the body of Christ does. And so we, we've done di- different uh, versions of that, different expressions of that. And then when we, we moved here to, to Birmingham to work at Church of Highlands, they did an amazing thing, a serve day in the summer. It's based a lot out of their small groups. We do outreach every week, every month, and have dream centers and love weeks. And we're doing Giving Hope at Christmas, just like churches do. So there's a thousand ways to do it. It's just do it. And so they do serve day. So we, we jumped on that. And for the last five or six years, we built serve day you know, here around Highlands, and then we we made it uh, where other churches could participate, and a lot of them do it on that day, but sometimes that doesn't work in their in in their deal, so they do it other times. Sure. And then I just wrote a book called Serve Your City, and uh, which is Servolution is more the inspiration. Serve Your City is more the nuts and bolts. Got it. And and so I wanted to get down into the weeds of small groups and dream center expressions and how do you partner in the community and what do you do with outreach people that sometimes are a little different. So that's where that all came. And, and then we've created an app, a survey app where you can actually any church can kind of use it, white label it for their church where they're doing a, an outreach on a Saturday at a nursing home. People can get up that morning and see where the nursing home is. And it's a kid friendly outreach or you can, you know, if you need to bring a tool or a rake or something, or it'll go from this time to this time, or they need 17 people, 15 people are signed in. So, and it gives you a little location, like a little Uber pickup. So anyway, so I just love it. And I still feel like that, uh, you know, it's the reason why we're in a city it's to make a dent in the darkness. So let's, let's get out there and into the streets and the byways and compel people to come in. That's so, so good. So good. Um, okay. So ARC, uh, we, we love what ARC is doing, planting churches. How many churches, by the way, um, are, is ARC up to planting, uh, now as of, as of the end of 2018? Uh, we are, we'll be at, at, at 809, 809 churches. Awesome. Uh, and so it's been 17 years. We've been planting churches. We're having a lot of, we're having a lot of fun. That's awesome. So I want to spend a few minutes and talk about talk about a launch team. This is something we haven't talked much about on um, 
the leading second podcast here. We've talked about a lot of things, but there are these teams that, you know, every weekend of the year step out and launch new churches around the country. And, um, obviously there is something to a team dynamic for the team that, that is successful at doing that. And so I would just love to hear your perspective for a few minutes today on what does the launch team look like that every pastor, every church planter would kill to have? Like what, what is it about the launch team that really wins? That's really uncommon. You know, that what, what does that team look like? Well, it, it, you know, I think there's there's probably a couple of different dynamics that shape it. One is a lot of guys are planning a church, so they're going into a city with people, you know, to, that they don't know. And so they're, you know, they may be bringing one or two people with them. So so they're they're needing people who know that city, who understand uh, the dynamics and the, the recipe of that community. Uh, and then there's other guys that are planning a church or starting a church in an area where maybe they had influence or they had been a youth pastor, they'd been run a business or they'd been on a team and now their pastor's sending them out, et cetera. And so in, in those cases, you're looking for something a little different. And the one that you're parachuting into, and you're trying to find people who get that city, people who understand the rhythm and the patterns uh, of that community, uh, you know, can contextualize uh, the people you're trying to reach. Uh, so you're, you're needing people like that. And then, uh, and then in the other, you know, you already have that influence, you have that credibility. So you need people who are ready to put up scaffolds and let's get this thing built. Right. And, and we always say that, that a, a, a launch team is like scaffolding yep. and you know, nobody gets excited about setting up scaffolding. Um, it's not real pretty, but you, if you don't put the scaffolding up correct, you can't build a structure. And so right. a launch is this. So you need people who are willing to do kind of whatever, be whatever. And um, and, and then, you know, uh, kind of that servant mentality, man, I'll do anything for anyone. I'm flexible. I'm fluid. Um, you know, I don't think you need people that are that are that have, are real self-aware of their own expectations one of the things we tell planners, you need to be careful when you go into a city and you're bringing people with you that you're, you know, if you promise people that you're going to hire them or they're going to be the children's pastor or they're going to lead this or lead that, you don't know how it's all going to fall out. So you got to be careful. So you definitely don't need people on the team that have these massive expectations of what, you know, they can get out of right. it. Uh, so, I, you know, that gets people in trouble. That's really well said. And, um, I I think it's really easy when you, when you see something promising that you're going to be a part of, I think it's really easy to, to get into that mode and to, to bring expectation at the table, man, if we just grow this little bit, you know, I know, I know I'll score a staff position. I, I, I have found as I'm a volunteer staff member at my own church. So I, I serve weekly, you know, hours and hours a week unpaid. And I just think it's one of the greatest gifts you give to your pastors being uncomplicated in that way. And, and just having a heart for the house first and letting the rest work itself out. You know, yeah, you're right. Um, take us back to your season as a lead pastor. Um, because you, you led healing place church for, for 20 years and grew that. Um, what did the team members look like for you that, um, you really appreciated? I mean, if you, if you can just take us back to, 
Um, like what were you looking for on your team when you were, you know, leading a church over a couple decades? Well, you know, like every church, you have a unique thumbprint. There's unique, there's different values and you have a unique value set of values and vision. You have, a, you have your own, uh, you know, DNA culture and those kind of things. So you're looking for people who get that, who, who have that it factor for what you're doing. Uh, you know, you, it, it's, you know, you don't want to be building Burger King when everybody else is saying, yeah. you know, I want Taco Bell. Well, this is a Burger King. You know, I, and I've always said that about church. Sometimes it's like, OK, Burger King is on the door. And somebody comes in and demands Taco Bell. Well, I'm sorry. We love Taco Bell. Taco Bell is awesome. But we don't have that here. And so, you know, you don't you, you want people on a team that want to be at Burger King, you know, that want to yeah. do this. And, you know, we started our church. We had acapella worship. We didn't have any band. <laughs> And so, I mean, you needed to be able to understand we're in a, at a beginning phase of acapella worship. And our first musician was a saxophone player, which that's another whole dynamic trying to get your worship on with a saxophone player. <laughs> uh, and so we had to have people who knew that, hey, we're not going to stay this way, but this is where we're at right now. So I need you to, to, to roll with us. And and not be so, man, this is terrible. This is negative, man. This is not like the other church, man, other people, man, this is, you know, you got to have people that value and appreciate where you're at, you know, that, that value the small beginnings or can celebrate the big settings. And, but I always say, you know, I always have a little thing and it's not anything of mine. People have you, people use it or other people came up with it. You know, it's that whole thing of you're looking for someone who's fat, which, you know, faithful, you can't, I mean, you can't do nothing without faithful people. Right. And it's right. only faithful is a little, and then you want them to be available. You got to people that are available. I mean, you got to, you know, Hey, I need you. Hey, we're going to, we're going to move a single mom this Saturday for an outreach. Hey, this Sunday, man, we're going to need to break down the, the, the chairs so that we can do a, a deal tonight, or we're going to need to load something. And then the other thing would be teachable. I wanted a team that was teachable, pliable, that, um, that we could we could kind of mold together, we could morph together as we broke from 200 to 300, as we added maybe a, a volunteer staff person. I wanted a team that could morph and could embrace and could you know kind of shape shift to where we're at and what we're doing. So those are you know that's my best kind of advice in in a raw form. That's really good and. I think that a lot of people want to be a part of kind of the next big thing. They want to be a part of something that's growing and something that's moving forward. I think what everybody underestimates is that in a, in a, in a large growing environment, that means there's also a heavy load you carry. I mean, it's, it's, you know, you, sometimes the very thing you pray for, it's, I want to be a part of a winning team. Well, that means you're going to have to be in the gym a whole lot more when you're on a championship team. I mean, the, yeah. the, the, the load, the load gets really heavy in those environments. And what what have you seen over the years for staff members that go the distance, you know, in growing, healthy, thriving environments? Um, what have what are some things you've seen staff members do to take care of themselves, to grow themselves that have allowed them, you know, to grow with the church as the church grew, in a sense, and go the distance with their pastor? Well, I mean, I mean, you said it. I mean, they've got to grow themselves. I mean, there's nothing greater, um, uh, then, you know, you got to grow yourself. Uh, you got to be a self feeder. Uh, you you got to have your own relationship with Jesus. I used to tell our staff and I still tell our staff here, 
at art, you know, the, the, the best thing you can do for art and the best thing you can do for me is to have a prayer life. It's to be able to have an intimate relationship right. with Jesus. I mean, Absolutely. it's again, it sounds so basic, but if you don't realize that church and ministry is all about Jesus, it will never make sense to you. Absolutely. It, always be conflicted. You'll always be offended. You'll never be satisfied. You will, you will complain. You will gripe. You will, uh, you will see things. You'll get paranoid. Uh, you'll notice things that shouldn't be noticed. And then there are things you should be noticing that you're not noticing, you know, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you want people who really have this love for Jesus. And then, you know, that you have some chemistry with, you know, that there's some, you know, there's some, there's some flow with, I always look for some people that, you know, there's a chemistry to the team. And sometimes that takes a while to develop because we're all different and we all have, you know, our own agendas and, and a team is, is, you know, you have to go through a maze as a team before you get to the good stuff. And that takes a, it takes a little while, you know, there is a span of care within the team. We care for each other. We are willing to care. We're willing to put others ahead of ourselves, and uh, you know but it's a, it's a jesus i mean we we call it jesus style leadership mm. it better be like jesus or it's just it just gets hard and uh it gets very mechanical and transactional which to me uh is not the book of acts mm. i love that well said well said what would you say, here's maybe one of the biggest questions I wanted to ask you today. What would you say to the couple who might be listening to this today, who may have it in their heart to plant their own church someday, or maybe even in an upcoming season around the corner, but they may find themselves on a team or a part of a church under a pastor, and of course they want to do it honorably. You want to do it right. I think this is really scary territory sometimes of, of how am I sure. going to have that conversation? How how am I going to make that happen? Um, what thoughts would you have for that couple? For, to, for, for the idea, say that again. I was trying, I want to make sure I answer it well. Yeah. Just what would you say to, to the couple who, who has it in their heart to plant, but wants to do it with honor? I mean, they don't want to burn bridges. They, they don't want to, um, they don't want to leave wrong. You know, they want to do it right. I I just firmly believe how you, how you exit is how you enter, you know? And so, so they want to do it right. So I guess just what would you, what have you noticed about those couples? What would you say to those couples? Yeah, man, we, to be honest with you, man, we're in that all the time because we either have pastors calling us and saying, Hey, I've got a couple in our church or a couple on our staff or, uh, you know, whether they have staff or they have volunteers, whatever, um, or they're on, just on the team as a volunteer, you know, that I want to send them out or, hey, they're feeling it. Sometimes the pastor's feeling good. Sometimes the pastor's like, man, I'm not sure. Hey, I don't think they can. I need you to be the bad guy. Or, <laughs> you know what? Right. Maybe you know, the Lord is in this. And uh, or I have couples calling saying, man, we feel this in our heart. And to be to be real, just get real talk is sometimes they've they've seen other things that didn't go well. Maybe there was someone who left and didn't have the right spirit mm. or they did not uh, do it correctly or they've heard horror stories 
or they've watched at, you know, it's like a, a child looking at another family wondering why our family doesn't do that. Well, that child doesn't understand the dynamics of that family. So you, you start getting into the, the weeds of that real quick. You know, what I tell couples that come to me is, hey, if God is doing this, then you need your pastor to help bring definition to it. So you don't you need him to help define what this looks like. That's you know, good. the when, when are you going to go? Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? If you go to your pastor with that already all uh, sorted out, then then they're going to feel like you're you're not asking for wisdom and advice. You're just looking for permission. And I think most guys as a pastor, I know there was a few times that came across my my deal when I was pastor at Healing Place, and it never felt good. It never felt good that you were you'd already sorted all this out, and you didn't you didn't yeah. look to your spiritual father for any any yep. definition or to to jump in this thing with you. Uh, so, and and a lot of people say, well, you know, I can tell because of what's happened in the past. Somebody else had left. Dot, 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 dot. You know, we had to we couldn't do that. Well, then then you have a bigger problem. You're you're in a house and it's not healthy. So just because you're worried or scared that somebody else is not going to do the right thing, you know, doesn't give you the right to do the wrong thing. Right. So you right. got to do the right thing. You got to go go about it with honor because you're exactly right, Brandon. You know how you leave one chapter is how the next chapter will open. Yep. So you got to make sure you close that chapter well, so the next chapter starts off in a good spirit. So you, you, you just can't, you, you don't want to get that piece wrong. That's a very important piece to get right. So you probably need, you need, you probably need other people to help you navigate that. You, you don't want to do that by yourself. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I really feel like, um, there's a lot of fog in those moments. Like any, anyone facing transition, it's like you're living in a fog and you have, you need a coach. You need someone who's, who's from the outside helping you to see through the fog. Otherwise, yeah, right. uh, the, the fog of change, I just think it's so disorienting. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so many. And, and the emotions, man, you just, yeah. that, is, uh, that is, that is a, an interesting deal. Absolutely. What, what would you say to talk, like talking about ambition here? What would you say to a younger version of yourself now? You know, now that you're, you've got, you know, a number of years under your belt in ministry, um, what would you say to the ambitious just starting out Dino Rizzo that's just uh, getting going in ministry? <laughs> uh, say, you know, calm down. It's going to happen. You know, everything <laughs> that's in your heart, God's going to do if you stay holy and humble and honest. Uh, and, you know, you keep your heart pure. You know, the, I think there was times that I, I lived as an overreacting leader. And, um, you know, I got the I got the, the, the cart in, in, in front of the horse and, you know, just just, you know, tried to um, make too much happen that the Lord was already doing. And, and he was already going to sort out. And and I probably would say the other thing is and, and I, you know, everybody learns this in a different way that there's nobody more important than the people who bear your last name. You need to make sure you tend to them. Mm. You take care of them, you take care of them, you take care of them. And I, you know, I think there were seasons that, that I probably, um, did not tend to my family like I should have. I was, you know, busy buildings, 
raising money, sorting this out. Sometimes the, uh, you know, your family gets your leftovers and, you know, and, and there's going to be moments that there's a hard push and there's a moment where, man, everybody works, you know, 20 days in a row, but you just don't want that to be the rhythm of your life. Right. And so uh, I would probably tell the younger Dino, Hey, you know, calm down, settle down and make sure you take all of your family, each individual child, your wife together with you uh, on this, on this adventure. That's so well said. I think, uh, you know, I'm mid thirties myself and I think I'm even still coming to that realization (laughs) that uh, I got a lot, I got a lot of ambition in my own heart, but um, if my wife and my daughter don't win, we don't win right now. And I think that's so well said. Um, Let me ask you a final question and land the plane here. Uh, why do you love the church? I mean, why, why do you do what you do? I think, but you know, well, I mean, the easy answer is, you know, cause Jesus died for it. It's his bride. He gave his life for the church. And I think the other thing is it's, it's, it's made up of diverse people. I love the, I love, I'm trying to love humanity better than ever. You know, just the, the value of people, the value of, of diverse, the diversity of, of humanity in their struggle, in their pain, uh, in the ups and the downs, man, God did an amazing thing when he decided to, you know, invite humans to, to be in this place and to, to be along for the journey. He didn't have to, you know, but he, he made men and woman, man and woman in his image. And, and, and now, uh, we get to, we get to serve them. We get to love them. We get to introduce the gospel to, to people, who matter to God. So I think that's why I love the church. I think that, you know, I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly of the church. And, you know, I've seen the church in its bad moments and the church in its good moments. But at the end of the day, man, I, the church is just, uh, I mean, it is, it is the hands and feet of Jesus every day in around the world in, in areas where the church is persecuted, where the church is small, the church is growing, the church is, is, struggling, but man, it just, it just reaches people. So I think I, you know, that would be my answer. That's so good. Well, Pastor Dino, thank you so much for jumping on here with us today. Thanks for your time. And again, thank you for all you do for churches. I know there's a lot of couples, a lot of men and women out there that are so grateful for your leadership and helping them bring their dream to life. So thanks for all you do. Thank you, Brian. If this podcast has resonated with you, we would love to hear from you. I want to encourage you to uh, subscribe if you haven't yet, to leave a rating, a comment, and even consider sharing the podcast with your team or with someone that uh, you haven't uh, shared it with before. Help us get the word out. Um, We just consider it an honor to be in your world every single week. And I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Uh, with Pastor Dino. We're going to be back next week for our final episode and ask us anything live question and answer episode to end season one. It's going to be, it's going to be a great episode. I hope you'll plan to join us for that. Uh, Hey, leading second, we love you. It's an honor to be in your world. It's an honor to have a voice into your life, into your ministry life. Um, So no, we're praying for you today. We're cheering you on. Uh, Until next time, let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. Uh